Welcome to Junior L's and Now What? Interlude episode 11.5. It's been coming up on three weeks since I recorded an episode last. It feels really strange getting back on the mic again. I got to re-remember all the little things and it's only been three weeks. Yes, I feel a little wussy. Having said all of that, the primary reason behind my absence has just been an inordinate amount of work. I've been putting in a lot of hours uh, for good or for ill. Uh, I have not spent a lot of time at home, which is rather sad. I enjoy spending time with my family, and it's rough for me and for them when I am not able to. To that end, this podcast and my next one are going to be focused specifically on family and family events and things to kind of lighten the mood a little bit from some of my previous ones, which have been a little on the heavier side. Having said that, on the heavier side, there is one thing that's been on my mind that I wanted to share, kind of one of those momentary epiphanies. This summer has been interesting from the standpoint of there's been a lot of medical challenges that have gone on for me and my family, extended family, friends, lots of people that I know that have been struggling. And uh, some have been just, you know, horrifically unpleasant, horrifically painful, life-threatening, you name it, and it's there. And it's difficult in those situations, especially when you're the one who's not suffering, to be unable to do much more than pray and hope for them, especially when you're a distance away and you can't do anything physically for them. In church right now, one of the things that we've been studying in the Bible and the New Testament has been the the moments leading up to Christ's crucifixion. And one of the events that took place after he was tortured in some really, truly unmentionable and horrible ways, they gave him the cross to carry himself up to where he would eventually be crucified. And a portion of the way up, there was a person from the crowd that was pulled out and given the cross to carry on Christ's or for Christ's behalf to the top of this hill or this location where he would be crucified. And growing up, when I've heard this story, I've often wondered why Christ allowed himself to be put in a situation to be, for lack of a better word, so meek and humble that he had to have someone else help him. I mean, he's truly suffering for the sins of all humanity from the beginning of time to the end of time. Yet he couldn't lift this rather substantial block of wood to the top of this hill. I've wondered why. And this last week, it came to me that perhaps one of the reasons was to show that this being that was half God, who had innumerable potential of power at his disposal, so much power, in fact, that he could bring himself back from the dead in a resurrected form three days later allowed someone else to do something for him. I believe that the reason, or one of them, because I certainly am not going to be so delusional as to believe that everything is done for one reason. I'm sure it's many. But one of those reasons that he allowed himself to need help and to have someone else help him was to teach the rest of us that it's okay to let someone else help us along the way. I don't know about you, but I have certainly had my challenges. Uh, I've had a number of accidents over the course of my life. I'm far from perfect and uh, a bit clumsy, actually. And after one of those incidents, 
I was unable to do any yard work or anything around my house for weeks. And I had many neighbors step up to help. And it was hard. It was really, really hard to let other people help me. But they need the blessings just as much as I do. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. And so I guess what I'm trying to convey here is that if Christ was willing to set an example for us to say, I'm going to have someone else help me, then I believe that means to the rest of us, we need to be open to that possibility too and let others step in. So I'm not saying any of this because any of the people who might be listening are in a situation where they're not allowing help in. However, the, the, the medical combined with you know the, the, the gospel event helped bring this together in my head, so I'm sharing it. So if, then if you are in that situation, then you'll think twice before saying no when someone else offers to help. That perhaps saying yes is the right decision because that was the example set for us. Now, moving away from the somewhat more serious to the somewhat more lighthearted, as a family, one of the things we thoroughly enjoy doing is playing games together. Some of those would be video games, card games, board games. Uh, we're, we're pretty easy when it comes to that, and we make up games occasionally. And so for this podcast, this interlude episode, I wanted to share with you five of the somewhat more obscure games that we play. Not obscure to the point where you may not have heard of them, but you may never have played them before. And these are the ones that are just fun for very different reasons. So in no particular order, I'll go down the list. The first one on my list is Timeline. I don't even know that it's in print anymore, but Timeline is a game basically where you have a card with the same picture on both sides, but on one side it says the year it took place on. From a, just a trivia standpoint, it's a nice, fun, party-type game where it gives you an idea of, oh, this took place this year. And all you do is you go around and you take turns putting cards down that are in your hand in this big timeline that you're developing in the middle of the, of the board. It's fun, it's simple, um, and it's a, it's a good way of helping, especially to teach me and my kids, who I am terrible with history when things happen. The next game is, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I believe it's called Tokaido, T-O-K-A-I-D-O. It's a game that's based off of this concept of traveling through Japan. And the goal of the game is very different than most from the standpoint of you don't want to be the first to get to the finish line. You actually want to be the last or near the last because the point of this game is to do as much as possible before you get to the end. There is some amazingly gorgeous artistic renderings in this game. And it's kind of fun for just a different take. It's a little slower paced. If you do the game right, it'll probably take you about an hour with four or five people playing it. But it's, uh, it's kind of neat. And I've mentioned before, my family and I have kind of a fascination with the Japanese. Um, it's, it's pretty neat. Uh, the third one on my list is called Geek Out. This is a relatively new acquisition for my family. And in this game, the point is to be able to state the most amount of something. So in this game, it will list you an idea, like um, name 15 anime where the main male character is a horse, or something just kind of random like that. So the first person will say, well, I can name 15, and the next person in line will be like, well, I can name 16. The cards don't give you answers, so you're kind of relying on everyone in the room, but it's really neat, because it talks about things that are, you know, comic books, some things that are movie-based. It, it goes across a whole bunch of different genres, it makes it kind of fun for just uh, kind of an open party game style game. On my recent fishing trip, this is when we took this game up with us, and we spent hours just hanging around talking about the different things that were on the list. So it was, it was kind of fun. Uh, item number four on this is called Unstable Unicorns. 
We've had this game for, I don't know, six months or so. It's becoming more popular, so you may have seen it around, but if you've never played it before, it's really kind of fun. It's similar to Exploding Kittens from the standpoint of it's kind of, um, I don't know, artistically bizarre. But in this, the point is to acquire the most amount of unicorns as, that you can. But your unicorns are not this peaceful, fun-loving unicorn that you would normally think of. They're a bit more, um, I don't know, let's say offensive as opposed to defensive. And there's, again, just some fun artistic renderings in this game. Uh, not quite as much of a party game because you can't just whip a card out and read some questions off of it. This, this is more of a sit down and understand the rules as you're playing it. The final one on this, and it's my, probably my personal favorite of the five, is called Red Shirts. And for those of you who know the original Star Trek, one of the things from the original Star Trek was if you wore a red shirt, you were more than likely going to die during that episode. So the concept of this game is very much the same thing. You're the captain of a ship, and you have a series of red shirts at your command, and your purpose is to get them killed. The purpose of your opponents is to prevent you from killing your own red shirts. It's so incredibly counterintuitive, it's hilarious. So much fun to play, especially for people who are into Star Trek, because there's a lot of Star Trek references throughout it. I believe there's a handful of expansions to it. Not entirely sure if it's still in production or not, but it is a lot of fun. All right, so that ends my top five. I hope you have a spectacular week. And remember that Chuck Norris is the only one alive who can win a Texas Hold'em tournament with just a handful of Pokemon cards.